Looking at 29. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And I'd like to use as a topic the image of his Son. Heavenly Father, I come in Jesus' name, and as always, I need your help and grace to be able to share this that you would have me to share. Lord, I I just pray let my mind be free, let my spirit be free in you so that the spirit can operate through me and, and really to all of us, Lord. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what the Spirit's saying to us this night. Lord, I pray that the name of Jesus be glorified in everything I say and do and that we receive. Lord, bless the people tonight. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This particular verse is one of those that the Calvinists would say would deal with predestination on salvation. But I always point out that no, the predestination is has to do with being conformed to the image of his son. And I'll look at that in a moment. But it says that who he foreknew is who he predestined to be called to the image of his son. And that's where the Calvinist will say, well, see, he foreknow. He knows who's going to live for him. He knows who isn't. So that's how he knows who's saved and who isn't. But one of the things that I, I, I look at in that is, is uh, where the word tells us that those who know God are known of him. He knows that, that are his. And I'm going to turn to Galatians. I'm going to turn to a number of places tonight. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4 verse 8 says this. How be it then, when you knew not God, and I I walked in that place, place where I knew not God, you did service unto them which were which by nature are no gods. And I didn't necessarily think of it as as serving other gods, but that's exactly what I was. I, I've said this before. I, you know, before my conversion, sports was my idol, and I followed it immensely, and and I did service to it. And they weren't gods at all. Believe me, they were not gods. As a matter of fact, one of the things I've come to discover as as my age has continued, men that I watched play baseball and football and basketball, and they were young and vibrant and superstars that I looked upon, they've passed away. They got old and passed away. And I, and, and I, and I would hear that so-and-so passed away and I, I think to myself, well, I remember when they were a professional athlete paying at a high level, a level of athleticism. There are no gods at all. But now, praise God for the but now, after that you have known God, or rather are known of God, he asks this question. After you've known God and God knows you, 
God knows those that are His. And you're known of God, He says, how do you turn, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereon you desire again to be in bondage? He's saying, God, you know God and God knows you. Why would you turn back, in this case, to the law? To the thing, to the things that you once served, which were by nature no law at all. No gods at all. And so, God knows. God foreknew. And yet, He says, in, in light of the fact that it's like us to serve those things which are not gods and desire to turn back to those beggarly elements of this world, He says, He did something. God foreknowing what man would be. And that he would fall, he would sin and fall short of the glory of God. He said he predestined something. He made a plan and he said, I want them to be conformed to the image of my son. Now that takes me to Genesis. I'm not turning there in this case. You know this. But that has to do with man in creation. And it says that God created man in his own image. And you can read, if you study that enough, you will read a whole lot of different things as to what that means. Some will say, well, it means that man, unlike the animal kingdom, man can think and reason and rationalize and do all those things. And, you know, he can be creative like God is creative. And so it, it, it brings those things out. It, 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 there, there are a number of things that can bring out. But here is the thing that I guess I look at. I look at the scripture itself. Because when he says, he made man in his own image, it says, and he gave dominion. He gave man dominion over the cattle and over the fowl of the air and over the, over the fish of the sea. He gave him rule. The sovereign God said, okay, the earth is mine in the fullness thereof. The earth is mine and everything in it. But what I'm going to do is give you dominion over it. And in that regard, he's in the image of God. It's not the aspect that, well, God has two eyes, a nose, two ears, and a mouth. And it's that image. But but in that regard is the way I look at it because that's the way the the... The uh, 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 text reads. And so that's what it's talking about when it's talking about the image of God. And so when I look at that, they, they get you get into the theological debate. Is man still in God's image or, is, or as, as a result of the fall, is man no longer in God's image? Well, those who are proponents that man is still in God's image would say, would look to Genesis where after the flood and the law was given that if man sheds blood, by man shall his blood be shed. And then it says, for in the image of God, God created man. He he created man. And they're saying, well, see, it's saying after the flood, so this is long after the fall, that it's presenting man in God's image. 
But the other aspect for those who are the proponents saying, no, man was created in God's image in the standpoint that he had dominion and he, and he was good and he was, he was, he was pure and right at that time. But after the fall, that was, that didn't represent God's image anymore. And so as a result, we, they'll point to the passage where Seth is born and it said that Adam had a son in his own image. Now, the, the person who believes that the image of God is, is still there will say, yes, and his image is the image of God. And the person who says, no, the fall put you no longer in the image of God will say, well, what that means is, He's a child of disobedience. So he's, so he's, he's not in the image of God. He's in Adam's image, which is disobedient. That's not God's image. So there's argument on both sides of the, of the, of the aisle on that, uh, on that debate, whether man is in, in his image and, or not. But I, what I want to talk about tonight is I know one sure way you can say I'm in the image of God. I am made in the image of God. And that, and that is this. And understand what an image is. It's a visual representation. I don't know why I thought about this when, when I was reflecting on this. And some of you may remember this, but when I was a little kid, Stamps were eight cents. And I remember the Eisenhower eight cent stamps. Because, and there were the Eisenhower because there was a picture of Dwight D. Eisenhower on those eight cent stamps. Maybe you remember them, maybe you didn't pay much attention to. I was a little kid, so this was important to me. The Eisenhower eight cent stamps. But you see, that wasn't, that wasn't Dwight Eisenhower himself. It was a visual representation. And that's why they weren't just called eight-cent stamps. They were the Eisenhower eight-cent stamps. And so, and so, I find that more humorous, I guess, than you do. But, but I remember them. They, they, that was back before they came on sheets and they were on rolls. You had them on rolls and, and you licked them <laughs> and to put them on the envelope. For those of us, for those who would remember those days. But see, that was an image. That was an image. And so, you know, I I even think of uh, in Egypt. The plagues against Egypt were against the gods that they worshipped. And and they had, and, and those gods, the gods of the day, they, they were stone and they were statue and all that stuff. And, and, and brass and like like the bra- like the brazen ca- the brazen calf the bronze calf that they built in, you know after they came out of Egypt and said these be the gods that brought us out of Egypt well what they were referring to was Apis was one of the gods of Egypt which was which was a, a calf and and had a uh, like like a, 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 a sundial on its head, because because what Apis represented wasn't a gold image. It wasn't the worshiping of a gold image, but Apis with that little sundial on his hand represented the strength and, and time and timelessness. So in other words, eternal strength, 
everlasting strength. It's, it, it's, it wasn't the gold calf. Because you think, why? who would worship that? That doesn't mean anything. But what the worship was and what the idolatry was had to do with the image. What does it represent? And today, we don't worship gold idols and we don't worship idols of silver or brass or, or anything like that. But what we worship is what something represents. And people worship... Riches. People worship riches. People worship Hollywood stars because of their beauty. Sports figures because of their strength and virility. There's a lot of things people worship because there's a visual image of something lifted up. When they put a commercial on, what do they have on? They have people that represent a standard and they're saying, look at this. This is, this is one of the, you know, life's beautiful people. And see, they use this toothpaste and look at those teeth. So they don't get somebody who has teeth like mine. I'm not doing it. I can promise you nobody's calling me to do a toothbrush commercial. We can't have that guy with the overbite. No, they're going to get someone with these perfect pearly white teeth and they're going to, and then they're going to paint them to make them even nicer. And they're going to say, look, this person uses this toothpaste. The image, that's an image. It's an image that says, if you use our toothpaste, you will look like this image. Worship that. That's idolatry. Turn with me to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. That's an image. It's an image. I'm just reading one verse on this. Colossians 3, 5, which says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry. So if you're wanting to have the teeth like the, like the toothbrush commercial person, that's idolatry. Nothing wrong with having with a desire to have better looking teeth than I have. I, I don't, you know. But I'm just simply saying, when it, when it becomes, when those things become what's more important, when all that thrills your soul isn't Jesus, but it's strong white teeth, it's sports, it's Hollywood movies, it's it's your golf game, it's your whatever whatever is whatever you desire above Jesus Christ, he's saying is covetousness and it's idolatry. It's images. It's images. And you know, you can turn to Second Thessalonians chapter two a while as I as I bring this out. Because the Bible talks about an image. An image that people are going to bow down and worship. And I know that when we talk when when it's usually taught in eschatology, it has to do with the uh 
uh, they say, well, there's going to be an image, a statue or, or a picture or something of this and of the Antichrist and he's going to be worshipped. I don't know whether it is or not. I'm just saying it's a visual representation. They're going to worship the image of the beast. The image of the beast. Why not? We're so used to worshiping images now. But down in verse 8, it says, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the workings of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. We looked at that this morning, perishing. Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. They just wouldn't love the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause... God gave them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You see, that's why they'll worship the image of the beast, because they just don't love the truth. They'd rather, they'd rather follow after the visual representation of a man who's a great political figure or whatever he does to make war, to bring peace. I mean, he, he, he must be a politician because that's what politicians do. They tell you, here's a problem and I'm going to fix it for you. But you didn't know it was a problem until they told you it was a problem. They worship the image the image of the beast. And that's that's what people are looking at. And like I said, it's not about worshiping a statue or a picture or anything. It's what it represents. It's the visual representation of power or or wealth or or lasciviousness. When I was in college, people worshiped partying. When I was in college, I saw I saw eighteen-year-olds learn how to be. They're not even old enough to drink, but I saw them. Be, I saw alcoholics built and made on a college campus. It's what it represents. What does that beer represent? A good time, fun. I don't know. I don't know. But it's what it represents. And you see, that's kind of the world we're living in. And I'm going to bring this to the close. Because I'm not talking about the image of the beast tonight. That's not my topic. I'm not talking about the images and things of this world. But that's what people are worshipping. You know, it's kind of come to my hypotheses. That most people are pantheists. And what that means is everything is God. And what made me, what makes me make that statement is because of exactly what I was talking about here. People don't love the truth. 
that they might be saved. You tell them about Jesus and they say, well, that's your opinion. My, my opinion of who God is is this. Who I believe God is is that. Who, he believes something else about God. He believes Allah is God. He believes Confucius, Buddha is God. He believes Confucius. That's where truth lies. And they won't receive the love of the truth. And that's what I'm saying. Here's, here's what I believe. I've shared this many times, so one more time isn't going to hurt. When I read about the decline of, of church attendance, and particularly young people, and they say, what's, the, what's one of the main reasons? Well, the church doesn't teach what I believe. What's that person saying? I, I will establish what's right. I will, I will have dominion over, over what is moral, what is right, what is true, and what is good. That makes them, that makes it put them in the position of God. Pantheists, they're God. I don't submit to the Lord of glory. I don't submit to the Word of God. I submit to what I believe. That puts them in the position of God. I'll tell you what's right and what isn't. And, and then, and this is what's going on in the world today. Here's what's right. We don't care what God's word said about it, but we expect all the nation to get, get in line with it. I don't want to get into that because I got a whole nother message on that. I was I almost preached that tonight because this was last week's and it's kind of stale. But uh, where that one's fresh. But I prayed about it and felt just go with this one before it got too stale. But the image of God, and they're saying, this represents justice. This represents equality. It represents, it, it represents people being who, whoever they want to be. As opposed to saying, this represents the image of God. The, they changed the image of God to the image of four-footed creatures. They changed the image to a visual representation of what they say is good and right. That's why I say the world has become pantheistic. I'm God. I determine the moral law. I determine the, the truth. Your truth. My truth. Everybody's truth. That's what's going on. But he didn't predestine us to be conformed to the image of this world. He actually called us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. But he he said in that passage that I read that we are to be that that he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. That takes me to Hebrews. I got two more places I want to turn tonight. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews 1 1 says this God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. He gave the prophets the word so that people knew 
what was right and what was wrong. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. And look at this third verse. Who being the brightness of his glory, and what else? The express image of his person. What is the image of God? His Son is the image of God. You want to know what, you want to know what the image of Adam is? The image of Adam is disobedient. But you want to know what, you want to know what holiness is? You want to know what righteousness is? You want to know what power is? You want to know what the Spirit of God is? Look to Jesus. You want to know what the image of God is? Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you'll see the image of God. You know the, show us the Father. You've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. That's the image of God. And he said, that's the image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. The word is powerful, it's sharp and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Why don't, why don't earth, why don't worlds just keep blowing all over the place? But no, we, everything stays in orbit. Our solar system moves around the galaxy, but the sun, you know, we stay always around the sun in exactly how it's supposed to be. By the, how? By the word of his power. That's why Earth don't all of a sudden get 400 million miles off to the left of where it's supposed to be. The word of his power. He says he, and when he had himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Let me go back to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. And then I'll bring this to a close. But Colossians 1.12 says this, Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Praise God. We have the inheritance of the saints in light. Who hath delivered us. Hallelujah. He's delivered us from the power of darkness. I don't know whether I should hold off on that or do it now while I'm... I, that. So when So when you want to come to me and say... Oh, the devil just has me. Why aren't you delivered from the power of darkness? Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee. And hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn 
of every creature. So what am I saying? I don't know the theological argument. I hear both of them concerning. Is man still in the image of God or did he lose the image of God in his fall? I'll let the, I'll let the great people argue that. But I do understand this. I know that the image of God is Jesus Christ. His son is the image of God. So if I have Christ in me, I not only have the the hope of glory, but I have the representation of Jesus Christ at work in my life. And the one who looked and, and said, and said, you know what? Sin shall not have dominion over you. Actually, Jesus didn't say that. The apostle Paul said that. But sin shall not have dominion over you. And it was said of him, that he, that he delivered us from the powers of darkness. Then no, the image of God is not seeing how many, how, how many words you can say, cuss, cuss words you can say in a row without saying the same word twice. It's not how many beers you can drink, how much dr- drinking you can do before you get drunk. It's not, it's not, you know, how, how many, uh, people you can, fornicate with to see how great and powerful you are. It's not even whether you have strong white teeth. What it is, is the image of God is dominion, dominion, and sin shall not have dominion over you. So what do you have? Dominion over it. You're no longer a servant of sin. You're a servant of righteousness. So if you're living for God, you're, you're the image of His Son. If you're obedient to God, you're the image of His Son. And that is the image of God. And the one who simply said, I have given you power. I have given you authority. I've given you dominion over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy is at work in our hearts and in our lives. So that we don't have to say, oh, the devil's got me down. No, I'm made in the image of God. And whether I, whether that was lost in the fall or not, I'll leave the theologians argue about that. But I'll know one thing, that the express image of God, which is in Jesus Christ, is alive in my heart and in my life. And he's given me the dominion over the, over the powers of darkness. He's given me dominion over serpents and scorpions, over all the power of the enemy. And so, no, no, it's not how much can I sin. It's how much can Jesus Christ be. How much can I be a visual representative of God's own Son alive and living in my heart and life and bringing me forth in the power of the Spirit? having His Word living in me, alive in me, and holding me just like He holds the world by that same Word in Word of power to, to make me a son and a child of God. My, I'm a representative not of ha- being dominated by darkness, but having dominion over sin and over all the power of the enemy. So like I said, you want to argue whether the fall caused us to no longer have the image or, or whether the image is still there. 
I'll let you argue that. But I'll know this. If I have Christ in me, that's the image of God. And if he's alive and working in my life, that's the image of God. Living for Jesus. A life that is true. Striving to please him in all that I do. He predestinated us for this. To be conformed to the image of his son. Get yourself born again. Because it was lost by the fall. You weren't the image of God. And even if it wasn't, you're not representing him very well. But once you have Christ, you'll represent God well. Because you have Christ in you. You have the spirit of life, the living God, the express image of God. It's what you, you were born again and you were made in his image. Well, I was made in his likeness, created in his image, for I was born. To serve the Lord and I can't deny him. I'll always walk beside him for I was born to serve the Lord. Well, I was made in his likeness, created in his image. For I was born to serve the Lord And I can't deny Him I'll always walk beside Him For I was born to serve the Lord Hallelujah And you know what's in my mind now? Sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise and the image of Jesus Christ. And that's a whole lot better than the Eisenhower eight cent stamp. A much better image. A much better image. Praise the name of Jesus. Father, I thank